Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys and a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Let's see, we wrapped up our month of sequels, and now we're getting back into stuff that we want to do, right, Craig? Yeah. So, (laughs) no, we wanted to do everything we've done up to this point. Of course, if we didn't want to do it, we wouldn't do it. That's true. What we did do this week was Critters from 1986. I uh, really thought I had seen this movie before. I swear I had seen this movie before. I think maybe I've seen one of the sequels instead, because watching it uh, was a bit of a surprise to me this time around. How about you, Craig? Uh, Had you seen this film before? Well, I kind of feel the same way you did. Like, I was sure that I had, and I'm sure that I have, but... Even uh, in that certainty, I knew that it had been, uh, I I hadn't seen it since I was a kid, and I didn't remember anything about it except for, you know, what the critters look like. (laughs) But so, yeah, so I went in, you know, not knowing and and, uh, remembering watching these movies when I was a kid, and I remember enjoying them when I was a kid, but I just went in with really low expectations. I just thought, you know, this is one of those movies that I liked when I was a kid, but I'm sure that it's probably awful, but that's okay. I'm I'm prepared for that, and, and hopefully it'll be fun. And I was really surprised. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I felt like this movie was better than it had any right to be. Yeah. Are are, are, are I don't know what do you think? Um <laughs> maybe it was better. Oh, you're right. No, you're right. It I think uh you hit the nail on the head when you said but then it had any right to be. It kicked off and I instantly was thinking, "Oh, this is sort of Roger Corman style." Uh, movie making right it's the effects are a little cheap at least at first yeah the sets are a little cheap everything's quite derivative you know even critters itself was accused of being derivative because it only came out about two years after gremlins did and it's critter gremlins critters but that turns out uh to be not the case in fact uh, apparently the writer of the movie dominic muir 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 i don't know how you say it M-U-I-R. He came up with this script uh, long before Gremlins. It was based on a childhood dream that he had. And I would say, yeah, I believe it. Uh, It sounds like they actually even had to make some changes to it in production uh, in order to downplay the similarities between Gremlins and this movie. Although I don't know what those changes were. Uh, but you know you could be forgiven in 1986 for thinking oh this is this is kind of a knockoff of gremlins except for the fact that it takes a little bit more of a sci-fi bent to it yeah. than well a lot more sci-fi bent to it honestly than gremlins did gremlins is a little more Mm, uh, supernatural. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. monster movie. And this is, uh, the Critters are aliens. They're escapees from a, an asteroid prison. And it's all very nebulous and unknown, really, what's going on there in the opening scenes. But, you know, you get these, I don't want to say low-budget, but sort of mid-level budget sci-fi effects and costumes and sets and things. Yeah. You got a little guy floating around on a floating platform straight out of Dune, who somehow is maybe in charge of this prison or something. And when these critters have escaped, which we don't see a big production about it, it's all just, oh, they've escaped somehow in a, a, a ship. Mm-hmm. And they he hire, he gets, sends two bounty hunters off to get them. And I don't know, you know, like I'm looking at this and I'm thinking Battle Beyond the Stars. I'm thinking some of these other sort of lower budget Roger Corman films, except the effects were a little bit better, I think. Yeah. There were just times when it dipped into <laughs> that let level of territory. I think especially with the bounty hunters. I mean these bounty hunters come on the screen and at first they're they have these heads that are undefined. They're these like supposed to be green glowing heads and faces. But it's most it's half done with these sort of like white condoms pulled over some actors faces and then half done with this odd camera effect where somebody painted a glow over them mm-hmm. and it's it's not very consistent from scene to scene when you see these bounty hunters how they pull it off and so it, it just has that unpolished look of I don't know the kind of movie I usually like to watch so no real complaints there <laughs> right <laughs> so I don't really know where I'm going with this except to sort of describe my initial impressions and then as the movie went on and on and on I felt like it went on and on and on I just uh 
I don't know. It seemed to lack the focus that Gremlins had. It It's really going hard for charm to be this sort of charming family movie, kind of like Gremlins was or E.T. or those kind of films. But yeah. I found it kind of lacking that arena, too. That really never quite picked up for me. And so, I don't know, man. I, I was... You're right. It was better than it was probably had any right to be, but I can't say I was engaged through the whole thing, and I was kind of ready for it to be over by the end of it. Well, that's fair enough. Uh, I agree with you. Like, the effects... Well, just everything about it is not as good as some of those great movies from the 80s, like you said, like uh, Gremlins or E.T. I mean, those are classics for a reason. But it had some similar charm, and it even had... I don't know. I th- I felt like because of its limitations, it, it 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 felt like it had more limitations, whether it be due to budget or whatever it might be, more so than some of those other movies. And I felt like it was because of those some of those limitations that it had its own kind of charm going on. Okay, like you said, the bounty hunters, they're like uh, silly putty heads, look kind of goofy, and and the set pieces. Oh, gosh, I'm trying to think of other movies that we've seen that it reminded me of, like uh, Galaxy of Terror, kind yeah, of, maybe. Definitely Galaxy of Terror. Yeah, it, 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 clearly lower budget, but but that's fine. Um, and something that surprised me is, you know, you've got that whole escape, and I thought there were really cute things, like the critters, we'll call them that, I guess. I guess technically they're krites. But, uh, you know, some of the cute stuff I thought was... They talk like they have this kind of made up yeah. language. I guess yeah. the the creator said that he kind of combined um, an Eastern language. I don't remember if he said Japanese or Chinese with like French or something. I don't remember. Um, but it sounds funny, and it's funny when they speak it because they subtitle it, and you know they're they're goofy and crass, and that's funny. One of the things that I thought was a little bit disappointing was that this is not even an hour and a half long. It's only an hour and 26 minutes and you don't even see a crite until half an hour in. Yeah. Which, which seemed a a little bit prolonged for me. Um, So that would be one complaint. But once you do see them, I mean, they're clearly puppets. If I'm not mistaken, the crites themselves are all entirely practical and they look it. I mean, they, they kind of look like, yeah. You know, uh, a puppet with a, a puppeteer's hand up its butt or shaking it from behind. They're they're pretty limited in what they do. You know, they mostly just kind of open their mouths. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. it. <laughs> and like when they move around, it's funny. It's it's almost like they took like rubber bouncy balls that we would play with when we were kids and covered them in hair and then just threw them around. Like which I thought was uh, was actually kind of cool. You know, I guess it is a little similar to I'm I'm remembering now that when Gizmo gets wet, doesn't he pop off these little furry balls? Yeah, yeah. So uh-huh. there's a little similarity there, but I think it was a good use of their limitations. I mean, just like you're describing, it's obvious these guys did not have the budget that Spielberg had for Gremlins, but or Dante, I should say, had for Gremlins. But uh, they solved that problem by I think it's. I think it's cool, actually, that they can spin into these balls that just sort of roll around. It neatly solves that problem of how do we show these people walking? You know, how do we show these puppets walking? Yeah, it's efficient. But it's also kind of scary, like this idea that these things can just boom they fly into your room so quickly just by rolling in and they're just they can just as easily roll down the stairs and roll out right between your legs right they have a mobility i guess in that way that the gremlins didn't get and that made them a little more otherworldly and cool in that way i thought that was actually a unique thing but but you're right it's it's totally uh you know furry balls running around (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh man and and so you know there's that element of it i'm I like the design of the creatures. I think that they're they're to a certain degree kind of cute, but at the same time menacing. Like they've got these great big huge gaping mouths full of these little tiny razor sharp teeth, and um, they've got these uh, uh, glowing red eyes. And there's an element to them where they've got you know kind of like these porcupine spikes that stand up on their fur and and that they can shoot out and like tranquilize people with i thought that the design was cute and that the execution was 
efficient. Uh, you know, it, it worked for for what they needed. Beyond that, I just thought like technical elements, like it's not poorly shot. No, like it it actually looks pretty good, and uh, the score was fun. I thought in in various parts of the movie, and one of the things that kind of blew me away was that it's an incredibly recognizable cast. Like, it it seems like almost every face in the movie you recognize from something else. Yes, Uh, absolutely. Mostly from the 80s, but some of the actors, like one of my favorites, Dee Wallace, who plays the mom. I was talking to my partner last night, and I was like, you know, Dee Wallace, the mom from E.T., she's in it, and she plays the mom in this, and (laughs) he was like, "Um, does Dee Wallace ever not play the mom? And I was like, no. <laughs> <Come to this. laughs> but she's in it, and then there's lots of other, like I said, not necessarily huge names, but all of them recognizable. Another very recognizable face is a very young Billy Zane as like the teenage love interest. That was funny. I completely that was forgotten weird. about that. Yeah. For, for real. And the acting is not bad either. Like, no. it, it seemed like they were taking it seriously they weren't hamming it up for the cameras much i mean there's one character charlie and that's kind of his character is you know he's kind of crazy charlie um and so he hams it up a little bit uh and the bounty hunters are even though they're playing it straight you know their characters are are kind of hammy just because of the nature of their characters but beyond that you know it's not poorly acted i i just i was surprised i'm not suggesting in any way that it's a great movie or any kind of classic it's certainly a b movie it's it i I don't know what the budget was but it it made decent money you know when it came out i think that it suffered from the fact that it came after gremlins because everybody just kind of assumed that it was a copycat even though it really wasn't yeah even siskel or ebert one of them said well for a copy it's really not that bad and and that's you know unfortunate because it wasn't it was an original idea it just happened to come on the heels of gremlins and i i do think that it suffered for that but there's a lot to be said for it another critic i don't remember who it was said that it's a fun little romp and it seems like it was made by people who really had a good time doing it yeah and that was the sense that I got too. You know, it seemed like they were taking this seriously and trying to put together the best movie they could for this type of movie. And um, ultimately, I think that it was pretty successful. I don't remember the sequels. I kind of remember the second movie. And all I remember about it was that there was a restaurant called The Hungry Heifer, and it had a really (laughs) funny theme. It had a really funny theme song, and we used to run around singing that theme song a lot but that's all i remember you guys had an interesting childhood yeah well (laughs) (laughs) and there were four of them all together i don't number four was you know like critters in space which is kind of ironic considering that they are space aliens but um i don't really remember those but uh, I do remember that I would get excited when I would see them on the shelves. You know, back in the day, you know, any of our younger listeners, you know, like millennial and younger, won't remember that before the days of the internet, you didn't even really know when films were being made, necessarily when they were going to come out, unless they were, you know, like box office, like blockbuster movies that they would show the trailers on TV. Smaller movies like this, especially the sequels, that would just appear on the video store shelves. And I, I remember getting excited when the sequels would come out, and I would always rent them, and I don't remember not enjoying them. But, I don't know, I guess I should stick with, with this movie. Uh <laughs> Well, I think it's the tongue-in-cheek nature of this movie from the very beginning that kind of saves it. Because, I don't know how to put this, it's the jokes and the laughs. They're they're serious about making a good movie, right? But Uh they're serious also that they're making a goofy movie. Sure. And that 
they're they're literally cracking jokes in this movie and making all kinds of references. Like, all right, D. Wallace was in E.T. There are a couple references to E.T. in this movie. Mm-hmm. The the boy in this movie he tries to run his thermometer under a, a hot water in order to get out of going from school, which is what he did in E.T. You know what the boy did in E.T. as well. Yeah. Um, although it doesn't work this time around. Uh, there's a point where a critter comes face to face with a stuffed E.T. doll, and uh-huh. you know, kind of looks at it and, and is playing around with it, and and that's kind of funny. And there were elements like this, obviously, in Gremlins too, right? They they had these little jokes where the Gremlins were really playful and they did these kind of sick things. They were kind of a tongue-in-cheek nature, especially when you get like to Gremlins too, the new batch, when every Gremlin yeah. is their own character and some of them are talking and you know all that weird stuff. But um, with this movie, like they didn't have much else to really go on because I felt like the budget was so cheap. And I think that the thing that really brings this movie down a little bit is maybe the writing. Maybe there wasn't a lot to do with that they could do maybe with these critters who come from space and basically invade a farmhouse. That's what this movie is. Yes. And so they had to spice it up by bringing these uh, bounty hunters in who are sent down. And these bounty hunters can take the shape uh, of people that they see. And so the first shape that one of the bounty hunters takes while the other one, for some unknown reason, decides to go with his glowing green head for a while is this like famous, uh, this guy who has this number one hit song on TV some 80s glammed out, you know, hairband rocker dude. And so he's walking around this movie as this famous person, only it's not until toward the end of the film that the boy even recognizes him. Like, yeah. Like, I thought they were going to go somewhere with that. Like, you know, you'd see the news things like this famous rocker guy is running around with the blaster, like blasting people. But, but it, that's just sort of left on the floor, you know? And, the movie is fun when the critters are in there, but like you said, they don't come in until pretty late. Yeah. We get all this crap with the bounty hunters, and even when the gr- when the critters do come in, we get a lot of crap with the bounty hunters in between. And let's just lay it on the table here. These are the worst bounty hunters you could possibly hire yeah. uh, to go on some intergalactic quest and take out these critters. Their weapons aren't suitable for the job. They move extremely slowly. They don't seem to know where they're going or what to to do uh-uh. and all they do is chew chew screen time uh, yeah you know and that's uh, so we're kind of divided like we want to get into this fun critter movie and see this family but it gets chopped up by these scenes of bounty hunters like walking sinisterly into a bowling alley right and looking around and nobody knows who they are and the only thing they can do is grab a guy every now and then go I want the Kreitz. Yeah. Where are the Kreitz? And when they don't get whatever answer they're looking for, they just start shooting things and people uh, with these giant guns. And then they leave. And, I mean, is this supposed to be suspenseful and scary? And, and, and it, I mean, am I supposed to be on the edge of my seat, like, as the bounty hunters are closing in on the critters on the farmhouse? Like, like no. You know? <laughs> it's yeah. boring. And it's plotting. And it's like, get me through this stuff. Finally, toward the end of the movie, when we have our big climax, where the crit, the bounty hunters are where they're supposed to be, they're at the farmhouse, uh, which I don't think was actually that far from where they landed, which I don't think was very far from where the critters landed. Right. But okay, finally they loop back around and they get there. These guys are kind of on the same side, right, as the humans. Like, yeah. that's the thing that's kind of hanging over my head through this whole thing, is these guys are coming in and blasting up a bunch of humans, but really... Uh, in a better written film, you know, they're getting the help of the humans to find the critters. And then when they get there, they've got these giant guns and they just blast giant holes into everything. Uh, and they're aiming them toward these little creatures that are about, you know, six inches tall. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so yeah, like, I think maybe it's supposed to be part of the joke that they're blasting the house apart trying to destroy these tiny little critters but it's just monotonous and tedious for me you know watching this go on uh and so it was hard for me you know to get that same sense of thrill and wonder and excitement and really to get into that plot um it just it was hard for me to do that and that's why i think i just couldn't wait for the movie to be over by the end of it well i think you kind of nailed it i i hadn't really thought about it but hearing you talk about it you're right you know the central story is about this 
family, you know, this nice, wholesome farm family of Helen, who's played by Dee Wallace, and her husband is Jay, played by Billy Greenbush, who I, like, I feel like I looked at his IMDb page and I couldn't really peg anything, but he's so familiar. I know that I have seen him in a million things. And then their son, Brad, who is played by Scott Grimes, another incredibly familiar face uh, from the 80s. The daughter, April, I don't recognize her so much. Um, she's like the teenager. And it's it's very stereotypical. And they are the central characters. And then you've also got this kind of goofy, off-the-wall character named Charlie, mm. who was kind of typical, I think, in the 80s, but that you don't really see very much today because it's a little bit not PC. You know, he's kind of the slow one. Yeah. In this case, I I feel like he's got some backstory, like he was like a star pitcher or something, but I don't know if he got injured or if he just started drinking because, like, now he's the town drunk or whatever, but he just is kind of the slow one. In uh, the original Leprechaun with Jennifer Aniston, they had a similar character, Yeah, the the guy that was just kind of, you know, you like him, he's very childlike, and you root for him, but he's kind of the slow one, and... I don't know. In the 80s, for better or for worse, we weren't as sensitive about those things. But you just don't see it much anymore. And and Charlie is an endearing character. I really like him. Um, and the actor who plays him, Don Keith Opper, he does a, a good job. But that's the central story. And you're right. Now that I think about it, it seems like all the Bounty Hunter stuff is really just to stretch for time, it seems like it. Okay, you're saying, you know, they're going around shooting everybody up. I don't remember them hurting anybody. They cause a lot of destruction, you know, like it, they they go to a church and for no apparent reason. That's the other thing. Like, their only purpose is they're looking... You're you're absolutely right when you say they're absolutely terrible bounty hunters because all they can do is just wherever they happen to end up, we want the krites. Like these people <laughs> are hiding them. Like <laughs> <laughs> And then when when the krites aren't produced, they just start shooting the place up. I I didn't get the impression that they were actually shooting or hurting people, but they were certainly causing a lot of destruction in their wake. We want the krites. Oh, really? Who are they? Some new team? <laughs> the Krites. Look, mister, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I do like that uh, you said that the one bounty hunter takes the rock star persona, and he's played by Terrence Mann. And Terrence Mann has always just, to me, been uh, the poor man's Tim Curry. Like, he's like kind of a, kind of a taller, hotter Tim Curry, but uh-huh. not as talented (laughs) but pretty to look at throughout and then i thought that it was also you know it doesn't really make any sense there's no rhyme or reason to it but the other one like just can't decide who he wants to be at first he's just got you know his nebulous head and then he just takes on the form of anybody he happens to randomly see. So um, the first person that they come in contact with is this cop, the first casualty of the Krites on Earth. And so he takes the image of the dead, injured cop. And of course, this confuses everybody in the town because it's a super small town, so they know everybody. And then, then they go to the church, and he's the cop, and everybody's like, hey... Mr. Cop, why are you here and dressed crazy? And then he, like, it's almost like every time he transforms, it's like he gets indigestion. Like, his stomach starts (laughs) grumbling. (laughs) And then he turns into somebody else. And he turns into the preacher from the church. And everybody sees it happen and are all surprised. And then they go to a bar and Charlie is there and of course they get into a bar fight and they shoot the place up but uh, he turns into hot Charlie like Charlie's kind of this disheveled drunken looking guy but then when uh, the space guy turns into him he's all sleek and cool and uh, I don't know I mean it's it's kind of fun I think I 
this feels like, and I don't know if this was the intention or whether it was just that in the 80s these movies were being made. I don't know. Mm. But it feels like a movie for kids. Yeah. And and not little kids necessarily, but for 11, 12-year-old Craig in the 80s. Yeah. Like it's it's pretty it's pretty benign. Yes, there's violence, but there's not a lot of gore. There aren't a lot of kills. I I think only one person dies, right? Isn't just like one or two. That cop, yeah. the cop, yeah, and, one or two. Yeah, and it, you know, it's it's not gory. Those those kills. No, it, it's it's more just kind of about mayhem and things blowing up and silly jokes, um, like the critters. Uh, one of my favorite lines was at at some point the farm is under siege. No, oh, two guys get killed, I guess, because Steve Billy Zane gets killed at some point yeah. too. Billy Zane, who is <laughs> the, the most atypical uh, straight male teenage boy I've ever seen. Oh my I gosh! I think he's probably not straight. <laughs> he he has an incredibly hard time making out with his girlfriend in this movie. Uh-huh. Well, I don't know about Billy Zane in general, but if he wanted to be on my team, that'd be perfectly fine with me. He was hot in the yeah. 80s. I, I'd never seen him this young. I really hadn't. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, and he's still not bad to look at. He's got a lot less hair now than he used to. But uh, mm. <laughs> um, there, there's, there's one point where, you know, the family has been attacked. The poor dad takes the brunt of it. You know, he gets attacked several times. Um, but And there's one point where, you know, they're, they're kind of locked outside their house, I think. And the mom, you know, has a gun. And we see the two of the Kreitz on the porch. And they speak in their language. Their language is really funny. It's just funny. The juxtaposition of them talking with the subtitles underneath, mm. it's just funny. It is. Uh, it is and, funny. and these two, these two Krites talking back and forth, one of them says, they have weapons. And the other one says, so what? And then the one that says, so what, gets blown away with the shotgun. And the other one goes... <laughs> I was I was surprised to see the F bomb in the PG movie. I can only imagine it's because it was printed on the screen that they got away with it. I, well, it's PG thirteen, and oh, and okay. I have always heard. Now I don't know where I can't source this, but I've always heard that in PG thirteen movies you can have one F bomb. So you know, just <laughs> just figure out where you really want it because you only get one. And here and was, was where funny. here was where they used theirs, and I thought it was really funny. And and so there's funny stuff like that. Yeah. There's funny stuff like that. I don't know. It's it's cute and charming in its own little way. It's, it, it's not spectacular. Uh, I don't know if I agree with you that it's boring. It does take a little while to get to the good stuff. And then once you do get to the good stuff, you kind of have to slog through some of the bounty hunter stuff. Even though I didn't find that entirely boring, I just found the bounty hunters to be dumb as characters. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it, it, lots of shooting and explosions. It's not like it was – it's not like nothing was happening. Um, but the, the, the central part of it, the, the farmhouse under siege – I actually thought it was kind of a good romp. Well, when we were there, it was good. But again, I felt like even those moments suffered a little bit from that aspect of we just didn't see the critters enough. Uh, and again, to make comparisons, again, to Gremlins, where Gremlins really gives you that um, that feeling of a, of a multiplying horde of, of creatures that are just taking over a town, you know? And they do this... I think part of it too that they that they're able to accomplish that is because they give you different scenes of different things happening to different people, right? So there's the old lady who gets attacked, there's the old man who gets attacked, there's the this, you know, this barbershop or this other place that gets attacked even though we keep coming back to the main characters where they are. This movie really doesn't have that. It's right. pretty well focused on this farmhouse. But I the scenes with the critters there attacking people um, being a direct threat to somebody, they would kind of pop in and pop out. 
You know, I didn't even get a sense that the, of how many there were. I mean, I, I come to think of it, you know, were there just like eight or maybe seven? In the beginning, when there was the escape, they said that eight escaped. Okay. Yeah. All right. So maybe that's why. Maybe I was imagining it to be, you know, this kind of ever multiplying herd of people, but really it was just eight escape critters but with there are only eight of them uh and at any given time maybe like three of them are in one room and so there's really nothing happening in the other rooms uh and sometimes they're outside on the porch and sometimes they're inside but then they're sort of outside again and there are these sort of long stretches where the family's just cowering uh in the living room and nothing is happening you know they're they're talking with each other they're tending their wounds I wonder where so-and-so is, I wonder what's going on, uh, blah, blah, blah. And they seem perfectly safe with the doors closed. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, you know, there wasn't just this impending attack sort of feeling that I got. It was only when they opened the doors and tried to walk out uh, that maybe one or two of them would be there, Yeah, you know, but then they would run away. And so, uh, you know, it's kind of this touch and go thing that I didn't really... Uh, it was hard. It was hard to... And and you're right, you know, especially for a while. If they if they could just be in the house, they were okay for a while. And they even comment on that, you know, outright. Um, eventually, the critters start getting into the house. But again, it's just like, you know, somebody off set is throwing a hairy ball through a window, you know? Yeah, like yeah. That's, <laughs> that's how they get in there. Yeah. And then they're in. So it's like, oh, we're safe in here. They can't get in. Oh, except now they can. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and now they'll chase us around in the house. One thing that I will say is, you know, with this family and the family drama that's going on, they play it as though this... <sighs> It so could have gone the other way. They so could have played it super, super cornball and cheesy. And this could have been a super cornball, cheesy movie. To, and to some extent it is. But the actors, especially the main family and especially Dee Wallace, plays it straight. Yeah, for sure. Like, like this, it like that. We're really in danger, and I really care about my family. And this isn't something to, you know, hardy har about. Um, D. Wallace, she looks legitimately terrified. Yeah, she does throughout a lot of this movie, and she has moments of like genuine emotion you know there's there's one point where they her husband's been attacked at least twice at at this point um and he's not well because the critters can shoot these darts out of their backs and apparently they're poison darts um i don't it, it it seems that the suggestion is that it's not poison that's intended to kill but rather to sedate because they don't die from it they just get really sleepy yeah um but her husband's not well, and so she's trying to tend to him, and the son, not intentionally, but is just kind of pestering her, and she lashes out at him. He looks pretty sick, Mom. I'm okay, sport. He's fine. He doesn't look fine to me. Why don't you go check the windows? I already did. We'll check them again! Okay, mom. And it's like five seconds of legitimate family drama. Like, what? Where did this come from? (laughs) (laughs) But it did. But it didn't feel out of place to me. It it worked. It worked, Uh, and I felt the connection with this family and I believed that they cared about each other and were concerned about each other. And eventually the dad has to send the son off for help. And that's a dilemma because he doesn't want his kid to be in danger, but both of the parents are incapacitated at that point. I, I, I thought I liked that stuff. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think that there was, there's no question. Like they, they seemed like a real family. They weren't a Hollywood family. In fact, Maybe to their detriment, you know, they were in a Hollywood family. There's no moment, there's no kind of one person here who sweeps in and saves the day. That's what, in some ways, really sets this movie apart. And and as as real and authentic as that is, maybe it's also a bit of a failing in the movie, because it's also not a case of where everybody 
came together and came up with a plan and together were able to outwit them, you know? It's just uh-huh. stuff happens and sometimes this person shoots them and sometimes this person shoots them. The sheriff who is uh, a riot because he's always he's played by M. Emmett Walsh. Uh, he doesn't have much to do, you know? He comes in and he really doesn't do much. There are a few scenes with him kind of going around to the places where the destruction have happened. But once he gets to the farmhouse, he's not really much help either. Nobody's really got a great idea of how to take care of these people. And then the bounty hunters come up and they're really no better, but somehow they end up, you know, getting the upper hand at the end of the day. But there are moments, and I think this is where I think just Dee Wallace kind of steals the show. Like you said, she has all this emotion, but then there's that one moment where I think they're upstairs in the bedroom and they're cowering, and she's just kind of had it, and so she picks up the shotgun, and she blasts one of them through the door and kills him in the hallway, and then comes out, and for a little bit of the movie, she's a bit of a Rambo, and uh, that was kind of fun to see. But not in a, hey, cool, I'm a Rambo kind of way, but in a sort of a hysterical mother, I know I know of nothing else to do than this kind of way. Yes, I, 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 you know, I don't have to tell you, and if those of you out there in the internet land, if you've listened to us before, you know I'm a huge D. Wallace fan, so I could go on and on about her uh, forever. I think she's great in this movie. And, and there are so many little things. Like you said, the sheriff, again, somebody who... I can't pinpoint him from anything precisely, but he has such a recognizable face. Like, I just feel like I've seen him in a million things. Mm-hmm. And there are, uh, you know, other people in this, too. Of course, it's a New Line film, oh, yeah. which means the executive producer was Robert Shea. So his little sister, Lynn Shea, has a role. Um, she's the police dispatcher. I almost didn't recognize her at first. She looks, She's very no. young in this movie. She is. It, it, it actually... It might be her best acting gig I've ever seen. <laughs> to be oh honest. gosh, I really like Lin Shay. I, I and I love seeing her pop up in these movies, and she really has made a career for herself as a horror actress on her own. It, uh, clearly, her connection to her brother helped her uh, in her career, but she uh, she's she's really prolific. Is really kind of the star of all of those Insidious movies. Yeah, that's um, or most of them. I'm- I'm not really sold on her as an actress, but uh, but I thought that in this movie, she had a very unique and very well-done character. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah, as an actress. I mean, she's one of those actresses that there she's always Lynn Shay to yeah. some extent yeah. you know and and that may have something to do she's she's got a very distinct look, she's got a very distinct voice, um but I just enjoy her. <laughs> uh, and so it was fun to to see her pop up. Morning, Sal. What's happened? Well, this here says that John Travolta used to be a waitress in Fort Myers, Florida. What's happening here, Sal? Big bowling tournament tonight. And uh, Charlie, he's sleeping it off in the back. Oh, be nice, Harv. He don't mean no harm. So there's, uh, you know, they, they battle the Kreitz at the farm. And there's little gags where it's just like okay we get attacked we get away we get attacked we get away we get attacked we get away Mm. which is fine that's not inconsistent with the horror genre especially when you're talking about these kinds of monster movies and there's little gags throughout like it uh the son brad is a pyro basically i mean he's a firecracker enthusiast (laughs) and and he makes his own firecrackers and he gets in trouble for that early on in the movie but at one point when the critters are attacking his sister he throws a firecracker at one of them and it eats the firecracker and the firecracker explodes inside it (laughs) and it doesn't it doesn't blow it up but you see like the it it its eyes get wide and it kind of expands a little bit um, and then it falls over dead. Just tips over, which, I, which is funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I read that was actually kind of a complicated effect for them to get. <laughs> like it, it, it's so hard to believe, isn't it? Because I know it is day, hard to believe. It looks like a little doll tipping over, right? But everything leading up to it was cute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so there's that gag. There's another gag where Brad, when they're inside, I think this is a terrible idea, but to deter the Kreitz chasing them, he throws an oil lamp on the floor, and one of the 
critters catches on fire and then rolls into the toilet to put itself out. Uh, and then later on, the bounty hunter finds it in the toilet and shoots it in the toilet, which may have been a nod to ghoulies. Now, here's where you are better about remembering these things than I did. The guys behind the effects were the Chiodo brothers, right? Uh, yes, they I'm are. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. And they worked on a lot of these types of movies. Like, they, they did a lot of... Uh, no. Uh, no, they no. didn't? No, 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 no. They, they what did they do? They they did a lot of creature effects, didn't they? They did like um, mm, like killer clowns from outer space. Not as many. There you go. Not as many as you would think. I think they had a little bit to do with um, Team America: World Police, which was very impressive, um, effects wise. Um, but yeah, not as much as you would imagine. Gosh, I I just I know that I've heard their name in reference to so many things, but I guess I could just be making that up in my head. I don't know. Um, but uh, these little effects and and little things that they did, I they it was fun, and they experimented with it, and they played with it. In this movie, as the Krites continue to eat, they grow and they continue to get bigger now i until at one point one or two of them are like person size yeah. by the end and i didn't remember that at all and i don't remember if that's something that carried on through the series or if they abandoned that because i always think of them as being you know kind of like basketball sized yeah but in this one they continue to grow and so eventually you've got these big ones chasing people around and uh one of the big ones uh, eventually kidnaps the sister and takes her back t- to the ship like they're gonna take off with her which i like was she just a snack for later was there some other <laughs> intent with that That's a good question, i wasn't really actually. sure but i did i i liked uh the effects as I don't want to say as simple as they were, because I'm sure they weren't simple. I feel like a lot of work went into manufacturing these little creatures. Um, But then the execution of how they moved and stuff, it felt like people working on a budget and coming up with the best way that they could utilize these props as possible. And as simplistic as it ultimately was, I still thought that it was fun uh, and and it, it looked pretty good. I mean, to some extent, you can see it for what it is but it was still it was still cute and fun i thought well let's talk about one of the best effects of the whole movie to to lead into it just like you said the sister gets kidnapped this this is the climax this is sort of the we're gonna fix everything um the boy gets on his bike and he he chases after the critter who's dragged his sister away who's human size and i think charlie joins him at the same time yeah, mm-hmm. and uh they end up at the ship in the in the field which is just behind the house and he goes in and he basically drops a bomb in there as he one of his like little pipe bombs in there as he pulls his sister out but isn't little able. pipe bombs it's a huge pipe yeah. this kid is making like these huge <laughs> this kid like sticks of dynamite this kid was you know just a couple years away from shooting up the school quite honestly when you yeah see probably what he was doing <laughs> you wouldn't even want to put this in a movie nowadays because no. the ideas that would give kids yeah but yeah so he dropped one of those in there but didn't light it and he, they get out and as the ship is taking off uh charlie gets this idea to light a molotov cocktail with one of his bottles of liquor uh-huh. they toss it into the ship and so it causes a fire in there and as the ship is taking off you're getting ready you're waiting for it to explode <laughs> but it manages to go over the house <laughs> in just this cute little bit of nastiness it like zaps a laser down and blows up the entire farmhouse which yeah i, I didn't see coming but i was like Me oh my god that's sick <laughs> Right. And like just to be mean, just like ha ha. ha. <laughs> and then like 2 seconds later the ship explodes and that's the end of them, that's the end of the story, but then you've got this family and their whole farmhouse is just a wreck. It's just lumber all over the yard. One of the guys, one of the bounty hunters in this kind of cornball, you know, ending scene hands the kid some un- unknown device from his belt yeah and uh it beeps at just the right time and the kid picks it up and pushes a button and it does something it reverses time or who knows what but it ends up putting the farmhouse all back together and i was marveling at this effect now 
at, me too. At first, it's I mean, it's obvious what it is. It's some. It's film played. In is it reverse. a miniature? It may be or full. I'm not. I'm. It's got to be miniature. But it was a really well done miniature, right? Yeah, I because thought so. the detail, like you could have shot the farmhouse blowing into a, a bunch of bits and then reverse that shot to have it kind of sucking together. But it is a good two minute sequence of the pieces of this farmhouse rolling across the lawn and coming back together in quite detailed fashion until the roof itself comes back together almost like a flower opening up. The shingles come out and even played forwards in the destruction of this. Like, I couldn't tell, you know, exactly how all of that was accomplished. Uh, it was it was a beautiful piece of effects work, I thought. Yeah, and, yeah, it looked good. And it was a great way to end the movie. I was like, oh my gosh, that's wonderful. So, yeah, so they get their farmhouse back too at the end of the movie. And I thought that effect was was better than any of the effects in the movie. <laughs> yeah, oh gosh, yeah, it was really good. Yeah. Um, and again, it was just kind of one of those moments, all of this has happened overnight, and they pull up in the morning to find their house completely destroyed. Mm. And poor Dee Wallace's character is just like, devastating she's like yeah yeah, she's crying like (laughs) like it's horrible but then it all comes back together and even the cat is okay and you know all is well with the world and then it pans over to the chicken coop and you see amongst the chicken eggs um these very odd eggs which are obviously supposed to be crite eggs and you kind of hear the crite giggling like he 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 I read and I vaguely remember this that that is really where the sequel picks up it, it's set at Easter we're always looking for Easter movies and I can't believe we've never <laughs> done Critters 2 because oh. it's set at Easter because they think uh they they paint these crite eggs up as <laughs> these great big giant Easter eggs. That's great. And uh, the krites then you know hatch and cause mayhem again. And I'm making a note. Yeah, the kid that played uh, Brad reprises his role. I don't know how much later it's supposed to be. He looks significantly older in the stills that I've seen from uh, the second one, but he does reprise his role. And there's. I don't know, maybe Charlie reprises his role. Terrence Mann was in all four Critters movies. Um, I read the trivia for all of them, and one of the things that I thought was funny was that they constantly repeat how Terrence Mann was in all of them, but apparently in Critters 3, the credits roll, and Terrence Mann is credited as his character, Ugg, before he even ever shows up in the movie because he only shows up in a post credit scene mm. um, that sets up part four. Oh. And uh, so then he's in part four. And I don't know. Like I said, I'm pretty sure I saw all of those. One of the reasons that we decided to do this this week is because Critters has been in the news, or at least the horror news yeah. lately. It's being revived in possibly more than one area. Um, I know that uh, there is a limited series available exclusively through Shudder right now, and I don't remember what it's called. It's Critters the New something. Um, <laughs> the new batch. The new, or something, the new recipe. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the new bites, whatever. Yeah. A- apparently it's already available, and I heard limited series, and I'm like, well, that's interesting. You know, you get a six-episode series or whatever. Apparently the episodes are so short that the entire series is only about 70 minutes long oh. in its entirety. It's not getting good reviews at all. Yeah. <laughs> I'll really bad. I'll bet it's making that mistake of going for CG I don't know. I don't know. It looks like a lot of it's practical. In fact, the one review that I read, it blasted the whole thing and said it's awful, but that the only reason that they gave it any credit at all was for the crite creature effects. So I think that they are still practical. Um, But yes, lots of CGI beyond that. The Krites themselves are still practical, but then lots of other Mm. CGI and apparently really, really low-rate CGI, Mm. which is unfortunate. I don't know. Given the opportunity, I might check it out anyway. It's only 70 minutes. I'd give it a shot. But then I've also heard rumors that there may be another sequel shooting right now. Have you read that? Uh, I thought I saw a little something about it, yeah, but I don't remember the details. I, I think all that I heard is that uh, it's it's kind of hush-hush, 
and that it may be shooting in Australia right now, and that D. Wallace is also shooting something in Australia right now. Oh, Uh, put two and two together. Right, so maybe who knows? It could be just a rumor. It could there could be absolutely nothing to it whatsoever. But I've heard rumblings, so you know maybe we'll be getting Critters Five. No, you know, <laughs> the the return to Grover's End or whatever this place is called. That would, I don't know. That would be nice. I, I wonder if it is going to be scored by David Newman because we we can't wrap up our discussion of this without mentioning because you said earlier the music is great and the music it really is is fantastic and this was david newman's very first film score and i mean he went on to do maybe half of the kids movies you've ever seen you know i mean you went on from this to do like heathers throw mama from the train bill and ted's excellent adventure tommy boy the mighty ducks jingle all the way i mean matilda like all of these, like, Galaxy Quest, uh-huh. all of these, like, uh, you know, family-friendly movies, like, he, you can tell, like, from the outset, he re- really nailed this formula, and uh, I'm looking through it right now, and I'm seeing that, yeah, he, none of the other Critter sequels are on there. I guess he got too expensive for them really quickly. Probably. <laughs> but, yeah, the the score is is so reminiscent of a Steven Spielberg kind of thing. It is. It almost doesn't even belong in this movie. Like, there's just, it's just like the movie's a little too low budget for it, you know? That was kind of what I was thinking as I was watching those first 10 or 15 minutes or so, you know, when they're playing around in the kitchen and having their family blah, 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 this, and the score is sweeping through and all that. I'm like, wow. Yeah, I, I agree with you, but I will also say that, you know, they were very fortunate to have that because I feel like that's one of the things in addition to some of the acting and stuff that really kind of Saved elevates it. this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It elevates it above where it really should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, it should have just been a really goofy, silly kind of movie. Well, and, and the director, Stephen Herrick, this was his first uh, directorial job. And then he went on to do Mr. Holland's Opus and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and one of my favorite movies of the 90s, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, ah. um, <laughs> and, and others. Uh, and and so, you know, there, there was talent here. Yeah. Some of it, you know, burgeoning talent that that maybe still had a ways to go to develop but i think it shows it does it does for for a early effort for some of these people who went on to do some really good stuff people who were paying attention hopefully saw you know there's some good stuff going on here and and these people went on to do better things <laughs> yeah well and we're st- and we're still talking about critters right we're yep. still getting sequels and tv things so something something hit here i mean we've gotten more critter sequels than gremlin sequels so yeah maybe there's something to be said for that as well all right well thank you again for listening to another episode if you enjoyed this please share it with a friend you can find us uh, online at our website two guys.red40net.com or you can find us on Facebook. Just search for Two Guys in a Chainsaw. You will find our podcast everywhere podcasts are listed. Uh, subscribe to us there. Please send us a message. Let us know what you think, as well as any requests that uh, you may want for the near future. Until that next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With Two Guys in a Chainsaw. <laughs>